0: Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up, here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence killed the church. How mediocrity is destroying America. Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message.
1: Good evening, good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, I was just a little bit late logging in. We are doing a little bit of a piggyback sort of thing. Uh, We have a situation that we believe will be ready uh, come tuesday we'll have a new internet connection thank you verizon um uh, and uh, hopefully uh, that will work better we're we're kind of piggybacking right now so glad that you uh stuck with us and uh want to give you a real what today i uh, just to go there and somebody brought a is that a homemade pie yeah. what kind of homemade pie homemade apple pie we have charlotte made that and you know if charlotte made it, it is good And then tiramisu, there's a big block of tiramisu that's not to be believed. Come on in, come on in. Uh, We've got we've got uh, we've got chicken, we've got fruit, we've got pizza that was right out of the oven. Oh yeah, got all kinds of good stuff. Some kind of rice I think there's over there. So there's good stuff, good good stuff. So uh, my friend that we've been praying for, uh, he's 46 years old. He lives out in Minnesota. Uh, We became friends when he and I were working at the same company here, well, I guess in Delaware and Pennsylvania. Chris is a a great, great guy. Uh, He's an actuary. For those of you who didn't listen to the show, that actually was on my Monday show a few weeks ago. And believe it or not, that was my highest rated show ever. Highest rated show. And it was Chris telling his story. So a very, very powerful thing and uh what a what a massive massive blessing it was to have him on the show but 46 years old he lost a daughter tragically um uh, and almost lost another daughter who now is healthy but uh a couple months ago Chris turned up with gastric cancer and uh he was scheduled to have surgery um fortunately, well fortunately the uh the doctor surgeon said, you know what, let's do let's do before we start surgery, let's do another scan. And they did a scan and they found something a mass of something, either a blood clot or another tumor, on the port that feeds blood port that feeds the tumor or feeds the liver. So they're not sure yet whether it's uh, another tumor or it's a blood clot. But he started uh, thinners already. He had to give himself injections a day in his own stomach. Um and then uh, on Monday, he starts a radical aggressive chemotherapy regimen. So they're going after both barrels, and we're praying that this, we're praying that this is God's will. Uh, he is a man of immense faith, and uh family is is amazing. So uh, that's what's going on. more information for you tomorrow, and uh, just continue praying for him. Continue putting the, the notes on Facebook, on the God and Country radio page. That that means a lot, and as all of you who have been, you, you've all had things happen in your life. When people reach out, it's one thing to sit at home and say, well, I'm thinking about so-and-so, but it's entirely another thing for your friends to come to your house and bring you food or bring you H2O2 or bring you love or bring you whatever, uh, just come and visit and read to you. or uh, But to so do that virtually through social media, we redeem social media for God's Work in God's plan by doing those types of things. Those are powerful things. So uh, just continue if you would. Just keep keep praying for him and his family. Um, as you might imagine, 40 years old facing pancreatic cancer, uh, he was to have on the 20th was to have the Whipple procedure, which would have saved his life. We believe uh, he not have that now. So they're going to make him. The goal of the chemotherapy is to make him a candidate for surgery we're praying for and uh he's a good guy he's a strong guy he's a good guy but more importantly he's a man of moments of faith. So let's continue praying for him. So today's message is not what you probably would expect. It's different than uh what that I had intended on delivering uh, but the Lord laid it on my heart and so I decided to, to go with I was sitting listening to a message next to my little girl who we took to the University of Georgia Veterinary Medicine School down in Athens, Georgia, and we were at church, and uh, the preacher said the following, do what you're good at for the glory of God somewhere strategic for the mission of God, for the mission of God. Now, that was Pastor Vic at Watkinsville Baptist Church uh, on the 16th of August. And he heard and stole that from J.D. Greer at Summit Church in North Carolina, a big old church, gigantic church there in North Carolina. Uh, he heard and stole that from J.D. Greer. Now, I have not touched base with J.D. Greer, just who he heard and stole it from, but you know preachers steal stuff. So I think it's worth writing down uh, or maybe playing this message back when, when you get a chance. Do what you're good at. For the glory of God, somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Genesis 2.15, Adonai God took the person and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. Adonai God gave this person this order. From every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you are not to eat from it because on the day that you eat from it, it will Become certain that you will die. Verse 18, Adonai God said, Isn't it isn't good that a person should be alone? I will make him a companion suitable for helping him. Helping him do what? Helping him work. Helping him tend to the garden helping him tend to things. Now that was, I was reading from the Greek Jewish Bible, Genesis 2.15-2.18. through But man is a practical being. At one stage in the creation process, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. At a later stage, however, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, to tend and keep it Did you guys miss those words? Let's I don't I don't want to go too fast. Here. Seems I'm going kind of fast. Let, let's go back. Adonai took the person and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. Adonai God gave this gave the person's order. He said freely eat from every tree in the garden except from it because on the day that you eat from it certain that you will die at the night god said it is not good the person should be alone i will make him a companion suitable for helping him man's a practical being we're practical people remember what god said uh, later on the lord god took the man and took him in the garden of eden to tend and keep it what does that say to you about the tree that he said?" We can eat the fruit. It stands to reason that they were tending to the garden. It was in the garden and therefore they had to tend to the very tree that held the fruit. People had this imagination that uh the tree was some far off place in the garden. It was just far off. We couldn't Really see it, no, it was in the center of the garden, it was the centerpiece of the garden, and they tended to it, so the temptation wasn't a one off thing. it wasn't there, and then it wasn't there, and then it was there, and then it wasn't there, no, it was there all the time. The temptation was there all the time, and they were to tend to it and keep it you see, clearly. Was God's intention from the beginning of time that we live in now? Work is really uh, pressed down; it's it's really smushed down, and for whatever reason, work has become belittled. Work is a as you know. You look at cities all across America, cities the ultimate failed liberal experiment. You look at that and you say, let's look at the roles, let's look at the numbers nationally, and look at the number of people working versus the number people are not. I would submit to you that most people, most good people want to work. They want to work until they're fortunate enough, they've planned well enough to retire. There's nothing at all wrong with retirement. Uh, Some preachers will say retirement doesn't occur anywhere in the Bible, there's no indication, but you know what? Speaking theologically, yes, absolutely, but your work, your daily work, you plan put away You'll be smart about what you do, and you have every right to one day say, you know what, I think, I'm not going to work. I'm going to stay at home, or I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go build a house on a lake somewhere, or I'm going to go build a house on a lake and watch the sun rise and watch the sun set, and if I want to take a, nap, take a nap, and I'll throw to my dog, and I'll hunt, and I'll fish, and I'll go out on a little boat. I'll do whatever I want to do, but one thing I'm not going to do is go work somewhere for somebody nothing all wrong with that, folks. I don't want you to think that I'm saying that at all. Some people will you to believe. It. No, 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 that's not the case. But while we are to work, God's plan was for us to work. It's clear here. All the way back, I don't want you to miss this. Adonai God, Genesis 15, God took the and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and care for it. What does cultivate and care for it denote to you? Work. And then he grows these giant Fruits and vegetables and all that stuff in there, it's amazing, and he doesn't think of that as work. He thinks of going going to work and and you know doing the work that he does but he, he it's therapeutic for him. it's cathartic going to go into his garden and cultivate and dig and stuff like that. But if you had to do it every day and your life depended on it, guess what it would be. It would be work to cultivate and care for it, to tend to the garden. And then the word helping him. I said it a couple of times. Go ahead, get you something. Um, I, suitable, I will make for him a companion suitable for helping him. So what was, whatever her name was, but we'll call her Eve. Uh, what was Eve's purpose? side of Adam. Adama, you know, Adam is man, but Adama Add an H, A-H, and guess what that is? from the land Adam was from the land what else was from the land everything everything was formed the land we forget about that when we read the the creation story everything came from the land every single thing and she was brought here to be a helpmate for him to help him to help him God's intention from the beginning, folks, don't make a mistake about it. God's intention was for us to work. His intention was for us to work. It is true, as we'll see later, that work became drudgery. Eventually, it became drudgery. But initially, work was not only that which God intended for a man to do, but something that God himself engaged in. Do you realize that God himself worked? And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Now, do you realize what that's saying? It's saying God ended his work, which means he was working. Rested, which the opposite of rest is work. And on the seventh day, from all his work, which he had done. The Christian order is perfectly straightforward. Man is to work properly, and then man is to rest adequately. I'll be the first to admit, I'm going to point some fingers at me. When I'm good enough to work and walk and, and do stuff, I want to do stuff. I don't want to sit around trying to heal. As soon as I start feeling better enough, I want to go out and get after it. I don't like it around. I don't. I just don't like it. It's not. It's not in my DNA. It's not how I was raised. It's not how I was taught. Stuff is going on around you. You just don't really sit and watch it. And I. And, and in cities, I see people sitting on stoops and I see people sitting in these places and they're watching everyone work, complaining about the work that's going on. Everybody, you're not working fast enough. You're not bringing this to me fast enough. You're not. I'm waiting on this or that. It's not coming to me. Why is it coming to me? You're late. You're not working enough. You say what you want about country people. I've always heard people make jokes about country people. It's mostly northerners making jokes about southerners. Guess where? Nobody goes to retire. The North. Nobody from the south says, Hey, you know what I think I might do? I think I might just go ahead and get in this car, pull my little trailer. I might just go ahead and go up there and see if I can't find somewhere nice to live up. For. No one ever said that. Nobody ever said that. See, the creation order is work, 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 work. Welcome, welcome, glad to have you, brother. Work, and then today's society, it seems like we have two types of people, and unfortunately, the two types of people are at enmity with each other. You've got the people that have their hand out because of the people who are willing to labor to put aside, to save, to prepare. And then you have a whole other segment of society that says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Somebody needs to send me a check. Somebody needs to come do for me. That's not the way we were intended to be. The powers that be that convince those people that that's better to live like that are enslaving those people. Their slothfulness is is in and of itself a personal enslavement. We're to work properly and then we're to rest. I think this is significant. It's significant that the Shabbat rest, which is, to you folks who don't know, that's the Sabbath. Shabbat rest, which was to become such a distinctive feature in the lifestyle of God's people, was introduced by God himself at the very beginning of creation. You see... The word lifestyle is important here. Uh, The Shabbat rest is a time where you separate from the rat race. It's a time where you separate the mental undoings that are our day. Look, it's a complicated world that we live in, is it not? It is. It absolutely is. Were it not for the complexity, I wouldn't be able to do this show, right? I mean, the technology is tremendous. It's incredible. It's amazing. Those of you who came here live, those of you who are sitting at home, thank you, by the way, for listening to the, uh, the last ones. Two weeks ago, we had just under 30,000 listeners, which I think is the coolest thing ever. That's just amazing to me. And by the way, I got a lot of letters talked about you playing the, the uh, violin and fiddle, depending on how you're feeling, what we can talk you into. People said, why don't you record him? I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to record him. I'm going to figure out a way. There's probably not a way legally, but... We'll make you a big star. He don't want to be a big star. He wants to rest because he worked hard. So here's the thing, folks. Shabbat rest, it it was a distinctive feature that God himself built into the lifestyle that we were to live. Uh, I I have good friends that are Jews. And they're they're observant Jews, Orthodox Jews. And let me tell you what. You You can't outwork them. You cannot outwork them until Friday at Sunday, and then all bets are off. They know how to work better than anybody I ever saw, and they know how to not work better than anybody I ever saw. They know how to rest. They know how to release themselves. Listen, Dr. Durham, uh, uh, she's the dean of students at Masters International School of Divinity, my alma mater, and she uh she observes she's torah observant she observes shabbat she'll be here actually to speak we're going to have her come uh in the coming weeks and she'll come here and speak and deliver a, a really cool message that she has it's you'll be blown away by it but dr durham she doesn't touch her computer she doesn't open her email when shabbat starts. she doesn't touch computer no work she shuts it down and she rests Folks, that would be very difficult for me. You know that, you folks that know me. That's very, very difficult. Very difficult to do. But it's a lifestyle to observe and practice. It's a lifestyle of God's people. It was introduced by God Himself at the very beginning. It started off that way. And that's the way we were to have done it. Man's ignoring of it may be far more detrimental to man physically, socially, and spiritually than we even realize. Folks, do you realize? When we're going at it all the time, we're buzzing all the time. You know, I'm the worst for it. You know, reaching over and look, do I have a text message? Do I have a? Did somebody respond to this? Do I have an email? Do I have a Facebook? Do I have a? Blog? You know, all these different things. Did that person? I'm waiting a grade right now on a final exam to kill me, and I just took it the other day. I sent the answers. The question answers to some of you. Thank you for reading it and for your comments. Uh, but I, it's killing me. I'm just, I'm dying. I'm going. Give me my. I just got a grade. Of course, until it comes in, if it's not what I wanted, then I was like, Couldn't you? <laughs> probably read that long. But, but you know, all of this stuff around us is confusing our brains as to what is important. It's confusing our souls. There's a lot of hubbub, and I and I and I almost thought about not discussing it this week, but I really feel like it's important to discuss it. And that is, folks, this confederate flag and these statues and all this business uh, I just came back from Atlanta, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, Adams, Georgia. And I'm telling you right now, the story that you're being fed about what happened and what all those things represent is a is it bold faced lie or bald faced lie? Which is it? Bald faced lie. It's a bald lie. It's flat out a lie. We'll call it a stinking lie. It's just flat out a lie, folks. It's not true. It's simply not true. It's peaceful people. I had the pleasure of being with uh, Dee and Larry Brock and and all the Brock children and the Hamelmans and the Franks. And I'm telling you, I love these people. They're They're like a second family to me. I just adore them. I love them so much. I can't wait sometime. If they ever... I don't know where they go up north to vacation from where they live, but if they ever come up this way, I'm going to have them come here and meet you all. But they carried me up to the uh, Marietta Market on uh, Saturday morning. There were white folks there. There were black folk there. There were young folk there. There were old folks there. There were people that are into the arts. There were people that aren't into the arts. There were people of very little education, and there were people of very high level of education. And you know what's crazy? They all got along. They all got along. Then they took me to a music thing uh, that night, and there were all kinds of different people there, all kinds of different people, black, white, men, women, all different types of people, rich, poor. And crazy enough, we all got along. About a 1,000 people all got along. We had a blast. Don't let people convince you that the South is some crazy. You know, maybe there are places in the South. I've been to some places. I was in Mississippi decades ago, and I'll tell you, that was my first encounter with racism. I went with a buddy of mine to get my hair cut at a, a barber shop in Meridian, and uh, he happened to be darker green than me, and we went in to get our hair cut, and old Dot sat down in the chair, and he says, oh, no, we don't cut them kinds here. And I said, what kind is that, tall? he was tall. No. I said, hmm, smart? No. I said, well, what kind are you talking about? And then he said, the end. Like, come out of his mouth 100 times a day. Shocked me. I, I just was shocked at it. And I said, so if you're not going to cut his hair, you're sure not going to cut my hair because he's my buddy. And if he don't cut, So I'm pretty sure you're going to do a great job on his hair right here and right now. And I'm going to tip you well for it. They saw I was serious and he cut hair. Did a nice job. His hand was shaking a little, I don't know why. But here's the thing, folks. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about it, folks. You know, we're being told all these but but let just let me just say this to you. Society is being ruined by a segment of society that is convincing us two segments or three segments of society. No, you don't need to work. No, we have all these entitlements to you. Don't you don't work. And I'm telling you right here right now, the detriment, scripturally speaking, is not to the politicians that are trying to convince certain labeled groups of people that they shouldn't work. People collecting that that are being damaged the most. Because from creation, our lifestyle was to work and rest before the fall, before sin entered upon the whole deal. In a perfect world, we were to work and we were to rest. A lot of people think that Adam and Eve just sat and walked around naked in, uh had good time all up in the garden. You know, it was perfect, perfect weather. Nobody cared, you know. Nobody cared about what their body looked like. Did not nobody have windows in their house where somebody, the neighbor next door, were going to sing. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't matter. It You just, you were just naked. You had to worry about any clothes or how cold it was. My goodness, it's chilly. My goodness, it's hot. You know, ooh, it's humid today. Uh, none of that. They just worked and did their thing. But they didn't just lounge around, fanning themselves with big leaves. That's not what they worked. They got up and they, worked. they did their thing. It's how they were intended to do. When we violate that, we violate God's order. We violate the lifestyle that He built in us to have. You know, I'm just going to throw. I've said that Sean and Angie are not here. We need to pay for uh, their family member that was delivered at how many weeks? 23, 28, 28 weeks. But so far is in the NICU and is doing well. So that's that's a good thing. Imagine how adorable that little baby is. On an entirely different level, it is interesting to note that Snow White's dwarfs may have been nearer the mark than many people in the modern place, for they sang as they went to work and whistled while they worked. You see, that was built in. And dwarfs, well, of course, now we can't call them seven dwarfs, right? Seven little, because political correctness. We 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 get we have to be politically correct, and we have to handle our business. We have to work. We have to handle our business. We have to go to work or work. Some folks in their home which I think is a cool thing. It's an amazing thing, working in your home. Some folks work for other people. Some folks, you know, they're self-employed, but you always end up working for somebody. That's how we were designed. That's what we're supposed to do, work and take care of your business. Work is designed to be a good thing. Until sin came into the world, and the idea and concept and practice of work Suddenly became a pejorative. But all along, it never stopped being godly. Acts 35, Third Moshe, say, oh, Moses, that was his name, Moses' name, said to the people of Israel, See, I singled out Bitzav, uh the son of Uri, the son of her tribe of Yehuda. He has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, concerning every kind of artisanry. He is a master of design, gold, silver, and bronze, cutting precious stones to be set, wood carving, and every other craft. Adonai has also given him Oholiab, son of Achizimach, this, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with the skill needed for every kind of work done by an artisan, a designer, an embroiderer, using blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, or a work and design. Not only did God intend for us to work, he intended us to be the best workers ever. Not only did he intend for us to go out into the fields wherever we labor, whether it be tall skyscraper buildings in an office wearing a suit, or wearing a work uniform going on top of the building, working on air units and heat, units or in the basements, or it in, in, in any other type of work, fields, whatever the kind of work. Did he intend for us to work? He intended us to be great at our job. There's a lot of Christians out there who are lazy. They do everything on their job to get out of work. I'm proud of it. I know two people, uh a person in particular right now, he brags, he's a Christian, professing Christian, uh, Mr. Mr. Jesus Freak, brags on how little work he has to do because he can get other people to do it for him. He just, he just gets out of all the work that he can. I say to myself, man, I would not want to follow you if all you ever try to do is get out of work. You're a Christian. You're supposed to be great at what you do. You're supposed to be the most reliable, the most trustworthy. Avoid work at every turn. The verse uh, says here it talks about every kind of artisanry. You know this resurgence of the word artisan, but we attach it to something called bread. Artisan bread. You've heard of that? This artisan bread. You look on the thing. You know what that means? Hard bread's hard. Probably going to be cold. Not be hot. Like me some hot bread, the butter will melt on. If I'm gonna eat bread, you know. I'm trying to quit bread, but whew. But you know, artisans used to be a thing. It used to be such a big deal. Oh, so and so. He's an artisan. Oh she's an artisan. What an artist that person is at this time. taking over. We've allowed it to take over. But as Christians, if we have a business or we work in a business, we are to be excellent at what we do. It says He is a master of design in gold, silver, bronze, cutting, precious stones, set, wood carving, and every other craft. And every other craft, folks, all of those things. He is a master of design in all these precious metals and all of these things, precious gems and all, wood carving, and every other craft. A master. Folks, you know how you become a master at something? You work hard at it. You work hard at it. You work hard at it, and you work long at it. You don't get to be great day one minute one. You have to work hard at working, committed to excellence along the way. You have to say, as a Christian or as a Jew, you have to go to work and say, today I'm going to better at my job than I was yesterday. And you have to invest in what you have to do. At the end of it, all these crazy names that are given, the son of Akizamach, Akizamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. Folks, teaching, make no mistake about this, teaching is an art form. Teaching is an art form. But, but listen, we're making it so hard on teachers today because we're sending kids to school who all they want to do is fight and go their fight and put them on Facebook and YouTube. How many of you all have Facebook? You look on Facebook and you see all these in these neighborhoods and in these schools, and you see these teachers getting beat up, and the kids are laughing. These teachers, because they're so afraid, in the public school, and I talk about this in my book, but in some respects, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm going to talk more about that. On Mars Radio Show, I'm kind of on the lid off of some things. You'll want to tune in at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 4 to 6 Eastern Standard Time. It's kind of going to be wild. The show is shaping up now. I've just decided I'm not going to hold back because you all who have listened, you see, that I hold back. I've been holding back. So, but the ability to us, folks, you're working. How how do you gain the knowledge to be able to us? You have to be an expert at what you do in order to teach what you do, and that takes time. That takes work. That takes effort. But guess what? You don't come out of school immediately wanting to be the CEO. This is a problem that's plaguing degrees. This is a real degree. I won't say the university, but I'm going to say the name of the degree. It's the appreciation of the music of lesbian, gay, transgender, and bisexual revolution. Bachelor's, a bachelor's degree. That's a real degree. I kid you not. Yeah, sure. Where are you going to get a job? McDonald's, and I'm going to earn $15 an hour because they're going to make me. You know, here's the thing, folks. You, we have to do something worthwhile. We have to do something worthwhile. One of the things, folks out there listening, uh, I don't think we have anybody here with, I'm looking across here. We've got all college graduate kids or kids in college, or kids been out of college for a lot of years, so this doesn't apply to the audience, but the radio audience, listen, I know a lot of you, you have children your kids to school to be respectful and not participate in any of that mess that's going on in school. School teachers don't go to get beat up. I have, uh, a, uh, I, I have a, a niece that is, she teaches uh, special education, uh, really autistic kids, isn't it? Kids? And oh my gosh, she gets beat and hurt and all these things. And that's a special circumstance, folks. That's a special circumstance. They can't help. They don't know what they're doing. But when you send your children to school, send them to school with the fear I had. Don't let them. This is what my mother said to me. I was leaving out to walk across that field to get to catch a school bus. Don't let that school call me. That was the worst thing. Somebody said, if I did something good and they said, oh, I'm going to call you. No, no, no. Don't call my mom. I left out of the house and she said, don't let them call me. But this is good. That's okay. Write her a letter. <laughs> Don't call her. Don't make her pick up that telephone. Cause she'll be mad when she hears that this is Cape in High School. She won't. She won't hear the part about your son is so great. He's wonderful. She'll <laughs> be like, what do you do? I'm a, I'm, where's my belt? Send your kids to school and make them behave. Tell them if people say we well, can't make behave, you know what? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I've refused. I refuse to believe we're going to send a whole generation of kids to school that think it's cool to videotape a 61-year-old teacher getting beat up by students. By the way, that's middle school. That happened in middle school. The verse says, and I don't want to miss this, he has filled them with the skill needed for every kind of work Done by an a designer, a blue, purple, scarlet, yawn, linen, or a weaver. They have the skill for kind of work and design. There's not a job out there that any of us can do, folks. There's not a job out there that any of us do that we have right now or that we might have one day. I don't care what the title of your job is. I don't care how high a position you have. I don't care how low a position you have. I don't care how appreciated you think you are or not. I don't care. How underappreciated you think you are. I don't care how much you think the boss looks past you and takes you for granted. Doesn't matter. Go to work every day. And work though so God will either be glorified your work or embarrassed. It is un it, it's inarguable that God values true craftsmanship. God honors true artisanship. God honors honed skill. God honors excellently designed and executed skills and plans. God honors that. He he honors you when you say, you know, I've been coasting at work. I hear this all the time from people. Well, I'm I only have five more years of work. I have I have worked my way into a coast job. I barely have to do anything. I just kind of hide. Like the guy in office space with the he's down in the basement with his hey, that's my swingerling stabler. I could I you know, come on now. It's not about that. It's not about that. If you if you say, look, I have five five more years, those are your best five years, no matter what. What you don't understand, I go to work, they don't appreciate me. I'm pointing up, folks. I'm pointing all around us. God appreciates you if you honor him. I tell you, action and production was good. If they didn't tend the garden, you would say, "Well, wait a second now." And if everything didn't fall apart until sin entered, fall of man, sin entered the garden. How did sin enter the garden? Through man. Don't blame Eve, folks. Do not blame. Don't let me catch you blaming Eve. Why she wanted to the apple? He was right there, and he'd say, "Whoop whoop 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 whoop." Oop, oh, oh, oh. Eve, honey, step back now. We don't want to pick from that. The Lord said, this is what he said, this is what we're going to do. You know what he failed to be? Failed to be a leader. It was the initiation of the feminization of men all across America. He was a leader, and here we are. I do not blame this on Eve. I'll tell you what else got, uh, and, and this didn't occur to me until this week, believe it or not. I used to do, uh, I used to be a fairly decent artist, and I used to do, uh, one of my favorite things to do was watercolor, but I really liked, every now and then, I liked to do pen and ink, the scroll, uh, quill pens, I had all different nibs, you know, some lighter, some thinner, I used to like to do detailed uh, drawings, pen and ink drawings of classic architecture, uh, buildings that just were inspirational. And you know what? Almost every time, they were buildings that were hundreds of years You see, when somebody built a building back then, they said, let's build something great to last forever. They tore my high school down. I want to say 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. I think it was, maybe it was about that long. My high school, they said, was going to be the last high school built that it was the most advanced high school, that it was built so well, and that thing was falling apart. I graduated in 1983. I know, going to be 50 years old in September. You believe that? 1983, I graduated from high school, and about 10 years ago, that building was torn down, and they put up another building, which cost more, took more time, more features. They said this building going to last a lifetime, and guess what? They've already outgrown it. They already need another school. So now they're always talking about money. More money for another school. you got to build another school. But, you know, the architecture of this new school is beautiful. How many of you have been to Europe where there's buildings that are hundreds of years old? My favorite place for architecture is Prague. Prague is just breathtaking. Despite what they've suffered over all these years, it's breathtaking, folks. You've been to Switzerland. Breathtaking, the the detail, the precision that they, the the artisans took, the designers took, the builders took. Every little things didn't mean a lot. They meant everything. God values artisanship. God values fine architecture. I don't say that. We we meet in a house, and that's how it originally happened. But when I see churches. On my book, you see on Excellence Killed the Church, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. That's my book I wrote. You can get it on Amazon, theninjapastor.com, wherever. Uh, on that book, there's a church on the front, and there's a church on the back. The church on the back is a little old country church, West Virginia Church, Witcher Creek Baptist Church, right? Witcher Creek Church. The one on the front is a church in San, Diego, uh, San Francisco. They spent huge money and had great designers. Designed the one on the front. Did nothing good come from that church. They they have taken the name church out of their name. They tried to get the cross on top of the church taken off because they said, well, that will offend somebody in the community. And the only reason that the cross is still on is because it's listed as a uh, place of historical significance and they won't allow them to take it off. The church is trying to get the cross taken off. And the ultra-secular, most unchurched city in the country, the laws say, that it has to be intact. And yet the church on the back is a little clapboard church, folks, with coal. It's in coal mining country in West Virginia. Coal for a driveway. Some of the windows are boarded over because they can they're so poor they can't afford to replace windows and and all this. And yet some of the greatest preachers and orators and theologians and speakers came from that church because of an artisan Sunday's teacher, just a little old lady who taught Sunday school there for 40 years and taught every one of those great speakers, those great theologians. And she had a fourth grade education, but she said, I am going to be great about God's work. Sometimes the architecture that I speak of is in us. How are we built? How do you view yourself your temple? Do you have a great temple for the glory of God? Or do you view yourself as just some old clapboard thing? God does not honor mediocrity. Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who bears my name, who I, whom I created for my glory, I formed him. Yes, I made him. We were created for the glory of God. Everything else Adonai does ultimately is for his glorification. Ephesians 6, serve God well for God's sake. It isn't about the earthly boss, but do unto God for Christ. That's the Sean Greener translation. Serve God well for God's sake. It isn't about your earthly boss. It isn't about a kudo. It isn't about a pay raise. It isn't about a gold star lunchroom. It isn't about any of that. It's you do unto God for Christ. When glorifying Yeshua is the primary purpose in all of your jobs, no matter what your job is, whether you're retired or you're working at a place. Because I'm telling you folks, there's no ordinary job to a Christian, to a follower of Yeshua, there there are no ordinary jobs. There's no thing that you can do that doesn't matter. Why? Because of who we work for. Acts 1 8, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem, and in all of Yehudah and Shomron. Indeed, to the end, you either go, live, or pray regarding missions. You say, why are you talking about missions? Uh, You'll understand in just a second. I know it's juxtaposition, but you'll understand in just a, a second. Let me say this again. You either go or give or pray. You can't be ambivalent about missions. You say, what are missions? I have to ask the question, where is our mission field? When we're talking about excellence, when we're talking about serving God and all that we do, we talk about all of these things. We seem to forget our mission field starts inside of our body. Because I talk about at the beginning, I, I, I stole that quote. Right? I stole that quote. Something. Remember what it was? Right at the beginning? Do what you're good at for the glory of God somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Folks, how do you get good at something? You practice. You apply yourself. I I know of a, a young lady who is a national class swimmer, hates to swim, hates to swim. Uh, but she's a national level swimmer, probably top 100 uh, in her in her class. I mean, she could go to college on swimming. You know what? She hates to swim. It's solitary. It's boring. But she still practiced. When she was doing it, she still practiced every single night. I have a buddy of mine, Jeff. I'll call him for short. He's now a pastor in high school, and he was awesome. He was a starter. He was all state. He was all these things. Had the most beautiful jump shot I ever saw, and he got a scholarship to go play basketball in college, and I was talking to him one time, and, and I said, man, that's just the most awesome thing ever. You got a basketball scholarship. He goes, yeah, great. I said, what? Playing the game you love, and you go to college for free? He goes, who told you I love this game? I said, I just assumed that you did. And then he made a joke. Why, because I'm black? No, because you're so good at it. He goes, you don't have to be good at something. You don't have to look something good at it. You just have to practice. You have to be committed to it. And he explained to me, he said, my parents have all these children. Do you think my parents can pay college? No, they can't. He said, I one day want to become a pastor. I want to become a preacher. And the way that I do that, through basketball. You're not always going to love what you do, folks. You're not always going to love what you do. But listen, back to missions. But you will receive power when the Rakhach Kodesh comes upon you. You'll be a witness both in Eurasia and in Yehuda and Shomron, indeed to the ends of earth. No matter where you go, it starts with inside you. It starts in your heart. Where's your heart? Do you want to be something of excellence for Christ? Or do you just want to be mediocre? Do you want to be that sourpuss person who is glass half empty every single day of your life? God gave you a smile. Use it. That's your first mission tool is your smile. What is your resting face? Is it a scowl? You know, everybody has a resting face. Some people say mine is is ignorant and stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But... The thing is, is your resting face, how are you naturally when you're not thinking about it? How is your face? Right, Grumpy Cat. Yeah, I love that thing, man. That Grumpy Cat is awesome. So here's the thing. Grumpy Cat has his own Facebook page, and there's going to be a movie coming out about Grumpy Cat, if you can believe that. It'll be a hit, I guarantee you. Here's the crazy thing about that: is All of you know somebody, and well, we're not saying Christian or otherwise, but all of you know somebody who is, just the nicest person ever, most giving, most wonderful person ever. But you know what? If you meet people you don't know them, you see their face when they, they're not meeting you, that's just their face in general, their countenance, their resting face, you're like, ooh, I'm not bothering that person because they don't seem nice. Right? They're grumpy. We know people like that. She'll admit that. She'll admit that. if The resting face is not a not a happy face. And so the thing is, is we have to ask ourselves: our mission field starts right here, and right here. It isn't. You all know where I stand on overseas missions. I'm not against them, but let's master this. Let's master this right here. Let's let's our mission field starting on the the inches outside of our heart. Listen, Chris Cahill reached almost half a million people with his testimony. And I can tell you, knowing him, I guarantee you, he's on the phone giving his testimony over at my radio show, and he's smiling the whole time. I could hear it in his voice, smiling the whole time. This guy's facing, look, there's a chance he won't make it to 47. He has a beautiful family, a beautiful wife, beautiful daughters. He has people that live him all over the country. He's a great, great guy. He's one of the people you can't help but like. Even in his tests, he's making his test, his testimony. His mission field starts right here at his face and at his heart. He's letting his heart for God shine through his mouth and through his face. You did that in your service. The first thing, I forget what person was said, is that there was a light coming from him. He's just a light coming from him. Where is our strategy? Mission field, we say, somewhere strategic for God. Do something you're good at, somewhere strategic for the glory of God. Where is somewhere strategic? Mission field, I'm telling you now, I have come to learn that this week more than any other week in my life. your Your mission field begins inside your own body. What do you fill your body with? Do you fill it with poison or do you fill it with good? Do you fill it with... Images and sounds and sights that are uh, poisonous to you? Or do you fill it with good? And do you fill it with God? I said two weeks ago that some I've heard the saying. I remember reading it. And uh, Dr. Dehan used to say this in our Daily Bread. Uh, some people are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. Listen, we've got to be able to minister to folks here. We've got to be able to do that. But you know what? If we don't fill ourselves... Full of godly things. We will never, ever, ever influence anyone in Christ. Nobody's going to be convinced by a sourpuss. Nobody's going to be convinced by somebody that can't manage to crack a smile, to find the glass being half. Nobody's going to do it. Nobody is going to do it. Your mission field begins inside your own body. Taking care of the structure that God the Father gave you is your first testimony. Folks, if we don't take care of our physical body, we are not testifying to the goodness and goodness of God. We don't value that which He has given us to take care of him. I am as guilty as anybody else, maybe more so then who in the world will believe that we are born of something or someone great? Our bodies first and our attitudes first are our authentic testimony. Here's a saying, I went to see Amazing Grace with my daughter, Ellen Broadway. And folks, I'm telling you, a game changer. It's a game changer. And and most of the people in the cast are not Christians. This is a quote from Amazing Grace. and We'll close with this. For God in his mercy has called me by name and he lifted me out of the pit of my shame and ordained that I should live I'll say that again for God in his mercy has called me by name and he lifted me out of the pit of my shame and ordained that I should live ask yourself this week are you living truly living or are you just existing are you living Or are you just getting by? I would encourage you. I don't know how many early risers we have here. Take note of the sunrise at least one day this week. Take note of the sunset at least one day this week. Turn your eyes toward heaven and revel in the beauty that God gave us. And then take care of yourself no matter how many days He's given us. He owns them all, therefore his glory.
0: Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www.drseangreener.com join us during the week and in the meantime dr sean will be fighting for you and for this great country Thank you for joining us in this fight.